Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. First things first, let me tell you about our very, very, very special guest, and that is Phil Dunster, the brilliant actor who plays the character Jamie Tart in the unbelievable TV show Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've watched Ted Lasso. If you haven't, it's definitely worth checking out. It's on Apple TV right now. They're about to show the final episode. And if you don't have Apple TV, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to get a free trial somewhere. It's it's well worth it. There's loads of good stuff on there, but especially Ted Lasso is such a good show. Uh, Phil actually does listen to Fish, so he came well prepared with loads and loads of facts. It was such a fun show to record, and we all had such a great time. A few more little bits of news. We have some live shows coming up in the Soho Theatre in London. There are still tickets available for that, although some of the dates are now sold out. So you want to get in there really quick uh, to get tickets for that. And those tickets can be found at nosuchthingasafish.com forward slash Soho. And apart from that, join up to Club Fish. There's loads of fun stuff happening there all the time. There's bonus episodes there's a discord where you can chat to fellow fish fans you'll learn about live tickets first there's all sorts of bonuses for signing up to that so do that and apart from anything else if you're listening in a place where you can follow no such thing as a fish then do that we taught some industry bods the other day and they said that it is very important that you click follow if you like us anyway enough about that Really hope you enjoy this show with Phil. I'm absolutely certain you will. And all I can say is, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Hoburn. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with James Harkin, Andrew Hunter-Murray and Phil Dunster. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, that is Phil. My fact this week is that the Shakespeare's Globe Theatre is the only building with a thatched roof in London since the Great Fire of London in 1666. Very cool. Andy is very excited right now. Thatched roofs? Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is brilliant. This is your thing. Is it a fetish? Uh, no, I wouldn't say say fetish. Would you like to have sex underneath the thatched roof? Look, everyone's got a bucket list. Right? That's not a... uh, anyway, look, look, the Globe Theatre. Sorry, talk about the Globe Theatre. Yeah, so what's the story? What's, yeah. what's going on? Um, so Andrew Hunter-Murray had sex inside the Globe Theatre because <laughs> <laughs> it had a thatch roof. Um, I, it was fascinating. It was, it was made, uh, it was originally built in Shoreditch. It was called the Burbage Theatre in, in 1576. And the land was owned by this bloke called Giles Allen. And when the lease on the theatre came up he didn't want to renew it and so the Chamberlain's men which is Shakespeare's company of actors they decided that they will just literally up sticks take all of the timber from that theatre and hide it in someone's shed for a bit (laughs) Uh, and then whilst Alan was away at Christmas they built it a few hundred metres away from where the current Globe Theatre currently is, is is where they built so that, that one original. was that. That one was thatched. The sort of proper original yeah. South Bank. But that will have been before the Great Fire of London, will it? That was Shakespeare's time. 
Yeah, it didn't hang around for very long. It was 1599, I think, was when it was built. And then it was actually burned down itself. It, it didn't need no great fire in London to burn itself <laughs> yeah. down. Wasn't uh, it a cannon during a play? Yeah, yeah. It? Yeah. It was yeah. Hem- I think it was Henry VIII. Was it? That bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of the I think it's one of the least good histories. I don't wanna yeah. Well know. they don't play it very often, do they? Yeah. You don't yeah. go down the globe and see Henry VIII on no, very well, often. I think there must be a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. But last time they performed it the whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Probably on the band list. Yeah. 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 So did Shakespeare do his stuff in Burbage's theatre up in the East London side? Shoreditch, yeah. Oh really? So was anything ever performed in his lifetime during the- Well yeah, like Phil says they moved the, they moved the whole thing down yeah. to and Shakespeare so went like, along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think they rebuilt it within his lifetime, even though it burnt down quite closely. He died in 1616, and I think it burned down not long before that. But they rebuilt it, and you know, really? they're still showing new Shakespeare plays then. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's really good to know because whenever I pass it, I think, oh, this is just a replica. It's not got any kind of original, you know, meat to it. You know, Shakespeare was dead by then. It's just mm. you know a fake. Well, but if if he whoa. was alive while well, people were the performing modern it, one is a new one. It's oh, completely new. It's an even, even more new one. Yeah. So the modern one was <laughs> built in the what eighties, nineties, something like that. 90s, yeah. In the nineties, yeah. And that was by what's he called? Sam Wanamaker. Sam Wanamaker, and that's the one which has got thatched now. Is that's that right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was. It's pretty much the same. It uses green oak, and it has like wooden. Um, like postings or sort of whatever, you know, doweling or whatever it is that holds it all together. They tried to make it as close to how it would have been made at the time using, you know, all of the techniques that the builders would have used, but they had to use stuff like modern scaffolding and they had to yeah. increase the amount of fire escapes and exits and all that yeah. sort of stuff. They got sprinklers. They got sprinklers, yeah. yeah. Um, I read them, I was reading the newspaper articles from the time and as late as 1988, the papers were saying that there wouldn't be thatch and it would be tiled. Mm. And that was due to fire regulations. And then sometime around 1990, they kind of changed their mind and said, yeah, we're going to be allowed thatch after all. Mm. That's cool. Um, it's got some cashmere in the walls. Is it? Cool. Because yeah. they cool. used... They made proper old old fashioned plaster, as in seventeenth century plaster. Mm. Wattle and daub is the name of it, and it includes cashmere goat hair, which is an ingredient of the plaster. That's cool. so, yeah. And the thatch roof that they have now has a hidden set of sprinklers all the way through it. Oh yeah. Nice. Just, you know, just, just in, in case. case. Just yeah. They learned their lesson. I found the company that made the thatch. They were called TAS, <laughs> and there was an article about them. And apparently, the Globe wasn't their biggest ever contract that they had. <gasps> they had one bigger contract for thatch roofs. Can you guess? Ooh. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh. It was. Um, oh, I've given it away. It's multiple roofs, multiple thatch roofs. Did they redo a whole village or something? Uh, in a way. In a way. Uh, in a way. Okay. We Phil, I'll edit out all these silences, nice. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> on an Olympic village, but like a, an old-fashioned Olympic village. That's right, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a 2012 Olympics. <laughs> Everyone lived in thatched houses. That's why they were all having sex all the time. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, see. it wasn't was it, was, it for some, was it for like a Game of Thrones set? <laughs> uh, okay, not Game of Thrones. But Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings. No. Hobbit. No. Uh, oh. Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> think, um, oh, I don't know when this, I think it was 90s. So it's a similar era. This Xena the Warrior Princess film came out. Oh, Matrix. Okay. Okay. It's from Matrix. Stop it. Um, uh, was it a historical okay. film? Oh, oh, Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. No. Oh, but that would have been. That feels good. That yeah, feels yeah, good. Yeah. You feel like I, right it's going to be a, a bit of a downer now that I tell you. It was no, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay. okay. No, you were their tracks. And they had to do the entire kind no. of village and they put thatch on all of them and that was the most money they ever made and the globe was the second most they ever made. That's incredible. His movies are expensive, man. Waterworld. Kevin Castle. Yeah, they flood the earth. 
th- you know, for that one. Um, Kevin oh. Costner, his oh, right, these yeah. huge sets. Dances with wolves, they had to teach all those wolves how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the globe? I do. Yeah. When they rebuilt it, it then shrank. Oh, riddle me that. Oh, okay. Okay, they built it in the summer and then it got cold. Well, kind of, just the timber dries out. And it takes Uh, years and years for timber to properly dry out. mm. And it dries and it hardens and it shrinks a bit. So Mm. So it gets stronger through time, which is amazing. That's cool. That's really good. Do you know where they got the timber from? No. I think it might have been the 1987 storm in the New Forest knocked down loads of trees. But it's certainly a big storm in the late 80s knocked down a load of trees in the New Forest and they got all of the timber from there. That's really cool. Yeah, and also the Duke of Edinburgh offered wood from one of his oaks at Windsor. Lovely. Nice. Great. Good bloke. What a good, good bloke. bloke. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear another fact about the royal family in this, by the way? Yeah, while cool. we're talking yeah, yeah. about Well, let's not say good blokes for this one. So they crowdfunded it quite a lot of the money uh, for this okay. because, you know, they needed loads of money and they need to get it from somewhere. So they went to America and they had an event called UKLA88, a celebration of British arts. And according to the Desert Sun newspaper, the real stars will be Fergie and Prince Andrew. Mm. <laughs> so Prince Andrew is partly responsible for the building of the globe. Yeah. And the, um, the British consulate said, when you think of Britain, we don't want you to think about thatched cottages and bobbies, but of Concord, microchips and Phil Collins. <laughs> I love to see Phil Collins perform at the Globe Theatre. <laughs> Concord's not even going anymore. No. Oh, yeah. Microchips. We do, do we make many microchips? In the UK? Possibly. Mm, I don't think so. Huge no. centre of Phil print. Collins is still going strong there. That's a good point. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's the one part he's of holding it up. Left. Yeah. <laughs> Have you played there, Phil? Luckily? I haven't played there. I've been to see quite a few productions there. I was a poor student when I went, and so I was standing. I was one of the groundlings. Mm. Um, and I, I do. I was. I mean, I've got a pretty bad attention span as it is, and being stood there for like three and a half hours, I was like. Oh, Fuck this, man. Oh. But, <laughs> what, do, you remember what, do you remember what you were seeing? Which I one? saw Midsummer Night's Dream there. They And they were all great productions, yeah. but this is my... Yeah, listen, yeah. I've, you know, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but they, they have... Um, they have another space which is called the Wanamaker Playhouse, which again is, is made like a playhouse would have been back in there. And... Um, it's fully lit by candles uh, and you can just imagine that again the schematics coming along and they're like right then Globe Theatre what do you got for us today after all the thatched houses and all this stuff oh a fully wooden theatre and it's only lit by candles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the way you just said dare just then a second ago back in the dare apparently if you see Shakespeare you won't hear to be or not to be you'll hear to bear or not to bear. Is that right? Well, this is what What? I read. So apparently the Globe Theatre has a tradition now these days of making sure that the accents that are spoken while a Shakespeare play is on is the accent of the time. And so um, David Crystal, who James, you and I met years ago, he's a linguistic guy. He studies all types of language and no one really knows how people spoke back then fully. He kind of clobbered together an idea of how, um, how to speak and to be is to bear. To bear. To bear or not to bear. Okay. Oh, that's a question. <laughs> Brian Butterfield. <laughs> oh, did you have any snacks when you were there? Uh, this is relevant, I promise. A beer. Got a beer. Does okay. beer count as a snack? It's more of a refreshment, um, isn't it? A beverage. Mm. Yeah. It still yeah. is something from the theatre. But it was yeah. very t- of today. It, okay, you know, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A it wasn't bear. Brewed in Can it. I have a bear? <laughs> <laughs> A bear or not a bear? <laughs> Exit pursued by a bear. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just wondering because they, like, archaeologists have done lots of 
digging around under ah. the sites of the old theatres and they found out what the snacks would have been oh, in Elizabethan times. Mm, which I found really interesting. Great. Yeah. Okay, so what? Go on. Well, they're, they're slightly limited by what remains, as in what rots and what doesn't. Sure, but of course. They, they have found thousands and thousands of oyster shells. That was oh, a huge oh, thing. And because oh, the oysters really? were not the food for the posh, they were just. They were just a sort of standard yeah, snack. Yeah, yeah. Just get a few oysters when you went to the theatre. So that yeah, was a big thing. Yeah, nice. That's, That's very cool. Yeah. Um, just go back to the accent thing. There yeah. was, because it was such an amalgamation of different accents that were in London, um, and they hadn't really sort of formed a London accent yet, I guess, uh, at that time. Um, it was such a hodgepodge of different accents, like a sort of Irish, West, British, West Country, Lancashire, Geordie sort of thing. Um, and... I could give it a bit of a go. Yeah, Ooh, do it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Nobody can tell me I got it wrong because yeah, yeah. You know, no one remembers it. Something like, uh, two households both alike in dignity, in Faya Verona where we lay our sin, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood lay civil hands unclean. Something like that. Wow. Ooh, like that's that. great. That's great. I, I did just get hit in the head before I turned <laughs> Could you do the rest of the show? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, if you go to the Globe, there's a lot of things on the floor which are um, the names of patrons, basically, oh, who've yeah. helped to fund the new Globe and so mm. on. And um, so there's lots of very famous names on there. And two in particular, uh, which are exciting to see, are John Cleese and Michael Palin, which is very cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, Michael who? Michael Palin. Palin? No, Michael Palin. Oh, yeah. stop it. Because according it? to the story, John Cleese only agreed to donate to the theatre on the condition that Michael Palin's name was misspelt. And so, on the floor, you can see it. It's P-A-L-L-I-N. Wow. Yeah. What would you have done if we just politely glossed yeah, over that? I think we to... so nearly did. Yeah. I was holding on going, come on, guys, someone, someone call me on this. It's a problem when you pronounce everything wrong. Yeah. The thing is that Dan's such a big fan of Michael Palin. Yeah. I was thinking maybe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the Globe says that this is a story. When you go on the tour guides, they say this is a story. There's no solid, you know, John Cleese needs to say it out loud. Okay, but, but it is they... misspelled. Yeah, it's misspelled. Huh. Yeah. We need to move on in a sec. Oh, Does anyone yeah. have anything before we do? Um, I've got some stuff on Richard III, but that's... Oh, yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a lot of archaeologists found the, the old theatre buried underneath a car park not so far away mm. uh, and as as was Richard III found under in a car park in yeah. Leicester and obviously was one of Shakespeare's big villain protagonists mm. and Dr Joe Appleby at the University of Leicester looked at the bones and saw that Richard III got fucked up when he got killed oh, right. what? that he was oh, no. they, they see from his bones he had a glancing blow to his cheek he had a wound from probably a halberd which is like big stick pike with a sort of axe thing huh. that it sort of there was potentially the fatal blow the back of his head a sort of chunk was missing there and then they think that they didn't want to do too much more to the face because Henry VII needed to parade this yeah. dead body around mm. and be like look this is definitely this him this is him not yeah, just yeah. some pulped yeah, yeah. Uh, and they saw what they thought would be some post-mortem injuries to his rib and to his spine as well and then one up his bum they reckon there's oh. a sort of a, a, a mark <laughs> was that after he died oh, well this is it bum? this feels that's like the a question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different play Dan <laughs> he's my kingdom for a horse my kingdom for a horse with a very soft saddle yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, poor Rob Lowe. He, yeah. That was in battle, wasn't it, that he was killed? That was in battle, Battle of Bosworth. Bosworth yeah. Yeah. I think it was the last king killed in a battle. Was he? Okay, yeah. I don't think anyone since then has been. Cowards. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Come on, Charles. Come on. <laughs> okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that when residents of Greater Manchester were recently asked, they identified four distinctive accents in the region. Mank, Lancashire, Wigan, and Posh. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. It's like a good version of the Spice Girls. But instead of <laughs> Wigan Spice. Yeah. Mank Spice. Wigan Spice is eating a pie all the time. James, do you when you see that there's these four, does yeah. that make sense to oh, you? Oh yeah, 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 right. for sure. I would say my accent began as Lancashire with a bit of Wigan because I went to primary school in Wigan and now it's posh probably. <laughs> right. Like my, I've lost a lot of my accent since I moved to London so um, I think people in Greater Manchester would say I was in the posh bit. You do, I notice when either you're around family or people from the north you do slightly slip back into it. It's like yeah, the yeah. wording like... Um, Internet. I don't like <laughs> you know how that's a word. Yeah, yeah. But you miss out like certain words uh, sometimes. I don't um, do it on purpose. Mm. I did it when Phil came in and then he opened his mouth and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, you're not Jamie Tart. After all. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a disappointment. Yeah. What's Tart's accent? Is that from? It's um. Well, it's it's sort of new Moston sort of yeah, yeah. sort of way because um the the people who did this research um one of them was called Dr. Rob Drummond. He listens to fish. It turns out, oh. uh, and I emailed him and sent him an example of your accent and asked him if he could place oh it. Oh my God. So this oh is no. an academic. And he said, no, it's shit. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, it was. it's really, really good. And he, he says, you do a great Manchester accent. And it's all about the letter vowel and the happy vowel. And apparently when you say letter, as I would say, if you're in Manchester, you say letter, oh, uh, which wow. Jamie Tart does. Mm. And happy as I might say it in uh, Manchester, they say happy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he could take your accent and he reckoned he could pinpoint it to pretty much central or just north of central Manchester. Wow. Yeah, Crumsall, kind of Smedley, that kind of area. Wow. Uh, that's so, yeah. so cool. An academic that. agrees. That's a good, yeah, that's that's a good report so cool. card three years later. That's I mean, a relief. It depends what, what series you, you watch because I think the first series I was like, I don't really I don't know if I'm doing this right, but it was an American show. So I was yeah. like, right. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they won't care. They we, won't should, should, we should name the project, shouldn't we? It was, oh, yeah. it was called Manchester Voices and it was a three-year research project uh, at Manchester Metropolitan University. Yeah, Dr. Rob Drummond who checked out um, um, Phil's accent. Uh, he he is a listener. He listens to fish all the time with his daughter Cassia, and he has a new book coming out called "You Are All Talk." Uh, it's not out yet, but if you want to pre-order that, you can. Ooh, nice. They had a really cool thing. They had an accent van which drove around, <laughs> and they bundled people into the accent van and recorded how they spoke. I bundled. think that yeah, they invited. were. It was consent. <laughs> <laughs> they had hoods. They had cuffs. They. <laughs> And so the specific questions that they asked were things like, oh, well, I'm curious because you're from Bolton, James. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if they said, I've never heard you say instead of bottle, bockle. Bockle, yeah. Yeah, or lickle instead lickle, of lickle. Yeah, that's, but that is, that a, is a Bolton thing, but yeah. I, I don't really speak like that, no. School with two syllables. Skewel. Skewel. That's more of a Wigan thing, you would say skewel. Uh, okay. So um, the word book, yeah. as yeah. I would say it, 10% of Boltoners say book. Book. instead yeah, of and 71% of Wiganers say that wow um, so that's how you can tell the difference and 30% of Boltoners say buzz instead of bus 
and I'm actually I actually do say buzz oh, instead okay, of buzz. Right. Um, Did you just with all those words James was saying when you were doing your accent, mm-hmm. is it something that you studied, or is it one of those things that once you start speaking in an accent, you almost naturally find the way that they would pronounce it anyway? Um, I I guess studied, I've watched documentaries and whatnot. Yeah, um, okay. My agent, who I love very dearly, is a uh, is Mancunian. She's very sassy. And there was a lot of sass in Jamie mm. Tart. So I was like, that's quite a good mm. sort of start point. And I think generally I sort of am okay at picking that up. But there's a there's a rapper called H. And it's funny that the, the from difference... From Steps, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, he's, um, he's, he's much cooler. Yeah. And so H from Steps too. is coming on next week. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. But H um, is really like proper mank, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, he's the like rapper? Proper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think that one of the things was when, when we were uh, auditioning for it, they didn't necessarily want a Mancunian. They just wanted someone who didn't sound like me. They just wanted, yeah. you know, or Italian or Spanish or whatever. Uh-huh. And I think that it just felt right for him, that sort of sense of like, um, he'd come from a place that was, that you had to sort of graft to, to get out of. Mm. And that's why I say season one, season three, mm. if I'm being totally honest, it started off with one of the Gallagher brothers. Right. And it sort of slowly stepped towards a sort of Jesse Lingard come sort of uh, a far more sort of contemporary version of that. Uh, it would be like, all right, how you doing? You all right, mate? How's it going? Yeah, I take you a look to get in there. But it's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot more like sort of contemporary. And it's, it feels a lot more like he's, he's just got, he's, I feel like he's rapping all the time. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, right. So, yeah, mm. and just... Yeah, so anyway, it's it sort of it's, it's shifted from a sort of 90s version of it. I've, I've read quite so a few things about actors who... So Austin Butler, who just played Elvis in the biopic, the Baz Luhrmann biopic, mm. um, there's videos of him prior to doing the role to how he speaks now, yeah. and he's been unable to shift the <laughs> Elvis voice, the Elvis draw. So when he received his award what? at either the Emmys or the Golden Globe, he's, well, thank you everybody for this <laughs> incredible award. He can't get rid of it. And he yeah. actively talks about it because he's questioned about it. They're like, you don't talk like this. And he's like, oh no, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and, and so he's trying to lose the Elvis accent. That's so random. Yeah. Well, no, it happens with quite a lot of actors. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Did, did you ever have anything where at home suddenly you found yourself not being able to shift the accent? Or was it not long enough a gig to each um, time? Oh, I think there was probably a couple of words I just enjoyed saying like pooper I just really enjoyed <laughs> you <go> pooper. <laughs> it just feels right a lot of the air words at the end yeah, is just yeah, quite yeah. fun but you can track what film Tom Hardy was doing by interviews mm, at the time because really? he's I mean he's got a real sort of chameleon mm. accent Reminds, do you remember Steve McLaren when he went to work in the Netherlands? Yeah. And he just started talking with a Dutch yeah, accent. Oh, really? Yeah. But he was only there for like... He? It's, so he was a former England football manager okay. and he became a manager of, I can't remember who it was, yeah. Ajax or something. It wasn't Ajax, but a, a Dutch team. A Dutch, okay, right. And then he would do interviews in England and he just had this really strong <laughs> Dutch accent. Oh, and he'd been there for like only a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like trying to ingratiate himself with the yeah, culture. Right. I, think it's, I think it's subconscious though, isn't it, when people yeah. do that? Because you, you, you're, try, you're talking to people who let's say you go to america or australia or somewhere you naturally will well some people do and some people don't it's mm. a really it's a really interesting well, you, thing you do naturally you imitate someone's accent don't you because it mm. makes them like you better mm. that's the idea but also they've they've decided that this is a good idea and they've got this ai software mm. where if you phone up uh you know an uh what do you call it? Like a chat line, uh, not a chat line. Call center? <laughs> call center. <laughs> yeah, wow, hang wow. a minute. Yeah, yeah, one of those call centers, yeah. My bank card isn't working. 
<laughs> if you phone up a call center and um yeah they've they've worked out this ai which can hear your accent and then imitate your accent and yeah. so they come back in a slightly similar way to it's you a, talk mm, and it means so you trust weird. them more it's, it's so like, weird yeah. and it's mostly God. basically because of where call centers are around the world it's mostly to make people in places like the philippines sound like they're from boston oh, or whatever yeah. and so right. but this is the plot of a film is it's it? a film called sorry to bother you and it's about a young black guy who gets a job in a call centre. Oh, yeah. I and then he, someone yeah. tells him, use your, uh, like an older guy in the centre says, use your white voice. Oh, and shit. And he starts getting lots and lots of oh, business right. because he's sounding preppy and right. whiter. Yeah. And so it, they've literally turned this. It is a horror film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They turn it into a, um, a technology. It's wow. so weird. God, um, James, what is... This is a little Bolton quiz. Oh, oh, I don't know why I'm oh, quizzing. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Wait, give it to us. Okay. Give it to us. Right. Yeah. Oh. P. Wet. Dan <laughs> Oh, I know what that is. P I read wet. it. P wet. Oh, you've read it, so you're out. You're out oh, of attention okay. here. I'm afraid. P so. wet. Yeah. A Two P words. wet is a type of bird. Absolutely. Is that helpful? Maybe not. <laughs> Could be. Because <Could> be. <laughs> uh, it goes. P wet. P wet. Would James be trying to help you in this quiz? Maybe. Yeah. Is he a friend? Maybe or not. A distractor. Mm. Uh, is it uh, P, P wet? P wet. You've you've wet yourself with P. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. No. Yeah, good. If you ever come to Bolton, yeah, that's, that's what you have to say. You go to a chip shop and they say, "Do you want pee wet?" Go, no, of course not. I don't mind if I do. Just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your help for it. Thank you very much. <laughs> James was helping you. That pee wet is the mushy pee water. Yeah, so you yeah. can get them to put. If you have chips with pee wet, then you don't have to pay for the pee wet. You get the chips, and they'll just pour a bit of the wet bit of the mushy peas on oh, it. The good. water runoff from the mushy peas. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm sorry. I, no, like, didn't th- great. I, that's not what I thought. I thought it was just mushy peas, but that's oh, that's a step that's towards amazing. insanity. Why would you want that? Like you'd have wet delicious. chips. Moises. You'd have wet chips are too dry. Ah, so, dry. so kind of like a vinegar. Put vinegar on, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, this is very exciting. <laughs> Shakespeare in English, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is a whole different I want to try another one. Don't. Okay. Cra- cracking the flags <laughs> or to flags. Cracking flags. Cracking flags. Is it rude? She's got a pair of cracking flags. No, I okay. I don't know. Do you know what it is, Phil? I don't know what this is. No, really. Mm. What if I tell you that the flags relate to flagstones, as in like pavement? Okay, cracking the flags. It's like walking. Uh, as a pedestrian cobbled streets this is so funny because these are words that I thought everyone knew and I've, I'd never heard this until yeah, that's the only reason I mentioned it yeah yeah, yeah yeah it means it's really hot it's cracking flags out there oh, as nice. in it's so hot that the pavement's breaking yeah yeah nice mm. wow god I'm really failing as my pretend Mancunian <laughs> here aren't I <laughs> um, uh, but, but the Mancunian accent was sorry just to close this again yeah. Mancunian accent was uh, voted and I found this in the Daily Mail, and the research was provided by Best Casinos. So, <laughs> so it's flawless. Yeah, yeah, come on, on we go. I know that you, you love your watertight fact checking here. Uh, after they asked 2,500 people, uh, they found that the Manchester accent was the sexiest accent in that's the world. That's interesting. Yeah. And that's from Best Casinos. So. Is that recent? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was last year. I think that's interesting because, wow. like, I reckon that change. You see those things quite often, don't you? And they say, "Oh, the Irish accent's most mm. sexy," or the Yorkshire is mm. never the Birmingham weirdly, but they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they do say that. And I wonder mm. if it's like fashion. Like they've seen people like yourself doing the Mank accent mm. on TV, and they associate it mm. with. Did like, the Gallagher's like, have an effect? I think they did. On yeah, the yeah. Of the most exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because yeah, I, I read a thing that um, in in America there was once a vote on what was the most sexy 
accent from the UK. In, oh, the UK. Okay, yeah, yeah, and Glasgow won it, right? Ooh. And I, I wondered, That's because Billy Conley is so big in America, whether or not there was just something kind of like, yeah. I know I know he's not seen as like a sex symbol, but he's seen as really charismatic, <laughs> really funny, re everything yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like likable. Silky and, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or whether the person doing the research was Glaswegian and they felt intimidated. <gasps> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, so one of my favorite things about doing this show is I quite often, I haven't actually had it in the last uh, sort of 12 months but I used to get it a bunch of linguists would write to me saying I take samples of your accent and my accent and really? I play it to other people who are linguists and oh. the challenges work out where he's from <laughs> and every time they say no one can work out the yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, say yeah. like Canada or like New Zealand yeah, Australia yeah, like they get yeah, elements yeah. of it but I, I no one I used to collect on tour and we sort of do like um, signings afterwards and people would come, sometimes come up and say where are you from to Dan and then you'd ask them to guess and I used to keep a list on my phone ah, of everywhere people you? had guessed yeah 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 wow. and it was I mean the whole world because yeah. I think you just have an international accent like from as if you went to international school yeah. like my wife's got a similar yeah, kind of exactly. slightly North American weird accent yeah, but I guess if then that becomes the challenge for the linguist, yeah, yeah. what are the influences on this accent? We were saying before that when people who are from a certain place go back to that place or speak to other people from that place, they start that accent starts to come out a bit. Yeah. Do you have that with one of your... If I go to Australia, mm -hmm. I definitely lean into Aussie a mm -hmm. bit. Um, I should have a British accent by now because I've been here long enough, but I don't. And the Hong Kong accent was very American where I grew up. Right. But where do you get, where do you go to sound more like you are now? Not just more Aussie, you know, because you don't really sound very Aussie. No. When you travel internationally, it's actually only in departure lounges. <laughs> Dan sounds most like himself. Yeah. Whenever you're buying a Toblerone, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm at home now. Okay, it is time for fact number three, and that's my fact. My fact this week is that of the few people who have top secret clearance at the White House, one of them is the person who writes all of the party invitations. <laughs> Amazing. It's such, a good, it's such a good plot for something, it isn't, is, it? isn't it? You know, yeah. the calligrapher. And it's, it's <laughs> the president's party invitation writer is yeah. missing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because you'll know, as the invitation writer, who's coming to the summits. Who's, yeah. you know, who's. He has everyone's who's address. He's got Brezhnev's address. Yeah. He's got. Brezhnev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you think of a key global player. <laughs> you think? Brezhnev. When did Brezhnev stop running the Soviet Union? <laughs> I was thinking of mine as a Cold War thriller. I don't know. <laughs> Imagine how beautiful his ransom letters would be. Oh, from the yeah. That would be that perfect. Would be yeah. So this this is a thing where uh, this kind of came up in the news when it was during Trump's administration that uh, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, had been downgraded from top secret clearance because they sort of just tried to stop making everyone have it. And uh, people noted that... Because he had too many links to the Saudis, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice not recording on the BBC, isn't it? <laughs> so it got downgraded and someone was pointing out that actually uh, he's now got less clearance than the calligrapher has That's on great. the in-house. Mm. And the reason the calligrapher has it is because they have to know everything about the president's appointments, what's coming up, who they ah, have yeah. to, and they're near dignitaries all the time. And so they need to be on top of everything that they need to write because they write so many invitations. They have a unit. It's a calligraphy wow. unit. There's a mad. whole office so that mad. does this. And it's not many people. There's only like three or four people but you know it's still one, a lot it's a lot and in fact one of them said that in one december period alone um they believed that they did nineteen thousand envelopes 
brilliant. And that's, those are handwritten. Nice. So yeah, so and they're, they're paid very, very handsomely. And they, uh, they've been going for a very long time. Like they're like long term posts uh, yeah. that they can run for. But um, they, did, they, did, they did ask one of the, I think he was by this point, the former calligrapher when the story broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rick Paulus, who had run the office, he said that it was just because of the schedule and the proximity to world leaders. He said he never, ever dealt with intelligence matters, which you would hope he would not. <laughs> As in, yeah, like something yeah. gone wrong if he has to solve <laughs> yeah, yeah. a crisis. Um, I wonder yeah. who's the best RSVPer. Oh, oh, like the, the timeliest. Yeah, yeah. Of all the world leaders. Yes. That's interesting. I yeah. feel like Trudeau's waiting by the, <laughs> waiting by the post office door. Yeah, yeah. reply nice and swift. They did a thing, I guess, with the royal wedding. Oh, there was they? a I can't remember which royal wedding it was, whether it was William Kate or Harry and Meghan, but they they ran a thing of so and so's replied very quickly yeah. saying that. Oh really? Right. Really? Yeah. Well, do you remember there's that fact that Meghan Markle, her former job when she was an actor, as a side job, she was a calligraphist for invitations. So oh, really? that's she what did, she did. Um, Robin Robin Thicke. Of, uh, of blurred lines, Robin Thicke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of blurred lines, babe. He did her his wedding, the invites were written by Meghan Markle. You know wow. Robin Thicke? Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> the blurred lines guy. Do you know his dad was really famous? He wrote the theme tune to Different Strokes, the TV show. Ooh, is that also a problematic song? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds it. <laughs> sexy song. In Lancashire, it means something very different. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. that's the that's the best. I mean, no f- offense by this, James. Trivia fact I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's good. That's a it's good. It's just something that happened yeah. to know. That's all. That's right. fabulous. Rick Paulus, by the way. So this guy was the head of calligraphy. Yeah. Um, have you seen his website, RickPaulusCalligraphy.com? Yes. No, Wonderful. No, he he's a, he's quite annoyed because the kind of digital age where computers started recording all the examples of all the. Um, or the invites that they write over the years are now being archived. Um, he kind of just missed that. So a lot of his work isn't online for you to see. So right. he presents on his website my favorite uh, invites and my oh. favorite bits oh, of calligraphy that I did nice. for the White House. Yeah, mm. so you can see menu for the president of Ireland. That's, that's, that's a one. cool one, it's isn't really, it? He did a load of, um, kind of convoluted Celtic style design. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All of those meals the president pays for, doesn't he? Yeah, isn't that, that weird? Yeah. Is that right? Because yeah. yeah. we, when I went to the White House, um, <laughs> clang. We, yeah, clang. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> God, guys, are we talking about the White House? <laughs> <laughs> when did you go? I went um, the start of this year. The cast of Ted Lasso were inexplicably invited <laughs> for a for a, an audience with, with the president and the first lady. Insane, yeah. Six of the cast members sort of spoke to uh, the president and the first lady about mental health and the effect that the show has and the sort of impact that is needed over there. But we also were, you know, we were having a tour and we sort of had, you know, learned some things about, learned a thing or two about the, the White House. And one is that the president, because a lot of it is um, uh, state funded, uh, or sort of funded by taxpayers, they can't be seen to be handing out sure. big yeah, banquets yeah, yeah, yeah. for everybody that comes. It is yeah. just uh, uh, like it's his gaff, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, hopefully one day we'll be able to say, "Her gaff, guys." Right? Mm. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Twenty twenty-three. Did you get an invite, Phil? Then oh, you did uh, like a handwritten yeah. one. No, I did not. We got an email, and obviously we all thought it was fake that we'd be invited <laughs> to the White House. I wonder if he, the same guy types the emails up. <laughs> he types them in incredibly. Yeah. He has a little wand he uses to tap each letter. Yeah. It's very did, yeah, yeah. Did you have lunch with uh, Biden, or did you just say hi? Because I saw a photo. You were in the Oval Office, we, right? We were. We, were, <gasps> we did go into the Oval Office. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is wild. Yeah. It was the energy you walk in the room. You're like, oh. 
and some scandals <laughs> that have happened. Really. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but no, we 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 were we were kept in the map room where we ate, which uh-huh. is is where they planned the D-Day landings mm. in the oh, map room, wow. which is wow. just to be sitting there eating is is odd. And you're there with like 25 Secret Service all just sort of knocking about, who were so cool, really nice, right? And also like have you know, you ask them any question and they you can see them go through the rolodex of. What can I say? What can't I say? <laughs> yeah. Um, and w- the weird thing was, I don't know if you had it. You you call someone by a title, it suddenly feels very strange. And these people that you've been knocking about with, the cast members I've been with, mm. hearing them call someone a title, it feels very contrived. The whole thing. Do you thing. mean like Mr. Mr. President. President? Mr. President. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and you're so you're just thinking about that the whole time when you when you're meeting him. What's the term for the first lady? Doctor no. Biden, I think. Doctor Biden, oh, sorry, right, Doctor right, Biden. Yeah, yeah. Right. And obviously, the whole time you're thinking, you're, it's like it's like in Taxi Driver when <laughs> De Niro's going, "You're talking to me, you're talking to me." It was like that. before I turned <laughs> up, I was like, "Mr. President, Mr. Wow. President, hello, Mr. President." And of course, it's just sort of <laughs> don't, say Trump, don't say Trump, don't say Trump, don't say Trump. But it was funny when when we were saying goodbye. The guy who plays Isaac McAdoo, Colin Bikini. Uh, I was stood next to him. He was shaking our hand. The president was shaking our hand. Uh, sort of going around the circle, and he turns to Colin. He goes, "Thank you for for coming along, son." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers." <laughs> <laughs> and he, stood, he turns to me and he just says, "I just said cheers to the president." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's yes, so you good. Did. I wonder how often people call the president dad by mistake <laughs> you know like calling the teacher mum exactly stuff. yeah yeah I, it yeah. must happen it to must. him on a sort of daily basis <laughs> it's such a shame you didn't have lunch with him because i've heard great stories about his lunch times uh <laughs> oh, <go on. laughs> well when he sits with kamala harris and they have their mm. lunch um he likes to eat with a slideshow going so they just eat their meal while they're watching a slideshow of all the like recent adventures they've had just oh, so that they can oh. sort of remember and reflect on what just the photos of yeah yeah it's just a slideshow that's nice, photo I that's think. going across. yeah i think yeah is it a slideshow of his stuff or both of their both adventures? of them i think it's oh. yeah it's just like oh look no, here think? i am shaking oh, a hand yes yeah, so that's ted lasso guy um <laughs> he said cheers <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah can, can i tell you one last calligraphy thing yeah. oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah um did you hear of rick muffler no <laughs> what a guy <laughs> so Rick Muffley used to be a calligrapher maybe the chief one and he was controversial because he was the only left handed calligrapher in the office oh Ooh. that means you're going to smudge everyone else's calligraphy well, exactly it was a nightmare um, but it just he's cool particularly because it's kind of a family thing for him so his grandfather was a chauffeur for President Warren G. Harding wow and then his dad uh, John Muffler was an electrician who wound the clocks in the whole White House. He worked there for 50 years. Oh, wow. He arrived in the late Second World War, and he was there for uh, Bill Clinton. That's... All that time he was in the White House. And so Muffler's the third? Is that who we're talking Rick about? Rick Muffler was the third Muffler. I don't know if there's a, a new I would. I'd Muffler. like to dream that in, I won't be here to see it, but in like 500 <laughs> years, there'll be a Muffler president. Oh. And like they'll have muffled the way all the way up <laughs> to, <laughs> to the top. That would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be great. <laughs> there was some sort of airs and graces that uh, the Trump family didn't really follow. That oh, really? That there were traditions that the first lady, when the president leaves office um, for the last time, the first lady would sit for a portrait. Yep. And Melania refused to do that, or has, has certainly has as yet to have sat for wow. it. Mm. Uh, and there's this this corridor where all of these paintings are put, and Michelle Obama is still placed at the end of the corridor, which is traditionally oh. where the previous oh. incumbent. That's so would have, interesting. Would have, would have, would have, to, be, to be fair, I feel like. 
both Donald and Melania probably have a, a painting in the attic somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Very yeah. good reference. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was reading about top secret clearance just because these calligraphy people have top secret clearance. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a very weird thing, top secret clearance, because it appears to, like, so many people have... I the numbers that. are mad. Mm. Okay, so there's, like, secret, confidential, and then top secret, or something like that. The mm. top secret's the highest. Um, but top secret clearance, even back in 2015, it was 1.3 million Americans. Mm. Yeah, that's like one in every 300 people in America. Has well, top yeah, secret and if you broaden it to confidential, maybe that's the bottom rung. It's about one percent of all Americans have secret it, status. None right. of the children will have it, so that's even you know. God, you're right. Yeah, it's really common. If you're American listening to this and you don't have top secret clearance, yes. then yeah. shame on you. Give your head a wobble. <laughs> so when I said at the top of the few people who have yeah, top I secret think clearance... That, but I wonder if it's slightly different than White House top secret mm. compared to... This is like civil service top secret. Yeah, there are, there's CIA and there's... There are sorts. different gradations within top secret yeah. where like not everyone can look at the plans of where we're going to invade yeah. next or whatever. <laughs> Who's coming for dinner? <laughs> yeah. Biden slideshow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it is strange. But that uh, that became evident when um, during the the recent leaks during the Ukraine war, th- that was one of the things that people were so surprised about was that there's so many people had this clearance that was yeah. you know the was guy really had delicate. Was a 21 year old. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very peculiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was reading about some other parties or some parties Ooh. at the White House because yeah. oh, yeah. this is a party invitation guy. Yeah. Um, I found there seems to be a quite a common thing of riots in inauguration parties. Uh, when people go to get their coats at the end of the night. <laughs> this is really weird. It happened in President Reagan's ball in 1985. Like, everyone went to get their coats at the end, and they got all mixed up. Because oh. the inauguration takes place in winter, right? It takes place in January. Yeah. So everyone's got loads of coats, yeah. and they're never prepared for it. Uh, in 1989, President Bush had a ball which got known as the Bastille Day Coat Check Riot <laughs> because what? people were yelling and screaming and some people never to the day haven't got their coats back. God. There was one coat check person for 3,000 coats. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> and people like, obviously these are all like really high up uh, people who think, well, you know, I'm the most important person in this room. Right. I should get to the front and get my coat first. Yeah. And people are shouting, pushing, and all oh, that God. kind of stuff. But it even goes back to 1849 at Zachary Taylor's inauguration <laughs> ball. Abraham Lincoln lost his hat. <gasps> and for Ulysses S. Grant's inauguration, all the workers who were working in the close place were all illiterate and no one got their coats them wow. either. So it just seems to be a thing. That'd be dangerous like... for Lincoln because Lincoln used to keep secret documents in the top of his hat, didn't he? Yeah, top exactly. Had secrets. What? Oh, good. <laughs> so just so weird. Shame that the beautiful calligraphy would have been wasted on those people that couldn't read. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that in 1999, the Times newspaper reported that Liverpool FC were about to buy a footballer called Didier Baptiste. The Times got the story from Liverpool's premium line news service. They got it from the News of the World. They got it from a sports agency and they just found it on a random Arsenal fans website. In actual fact, Baptiste was a fictional player in a soap opera. Mm. What role did Best Casino play in this? <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so this is an amazing thing that happened. It was in the papers in 99. Liverpool were going to buy this guy, Didier Baptiste, but he was actually a character from the show Dream Team on Sky. <laughs> so funny. Uh, and yeah, just people hadn't checked it properly. The Times said he was a promising left back for Monaco and a proud member of the French under 21 national side. Surely a steal for £3.5 million. Pounds. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> uh, the News of the World said, We think Didier Baptiste will be an ideal addition to Liverpool's back four. He's a really attractive player. You'll be seeing a lot more of him in the News of the World from now on. Oh, obviously. It, <laughs> yeah, it was just completely made Lying up. Lying yeah. again? It is, is, is this like a like transfer season? Rumors thing because lots of lots of football stories seem to be about you know yeah of course like this club or whatever. you know a club's going to buy a new player you often have never heard of them right, because okay. especially if they're coming from a different country and if he's an under twenty one player he's quite young yeah. it wouldn't be that surprising that you might not have heard of them mm, but so you possibly would expect that newspapers would do a bit more research. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you think in today's age it, that would be absolutely absurd it was absurd then but yeah. now now obviously you'd be able to sort of you know they'd be on FIFA or you could find them somehow. That's true yeah yeah it would be more difficult to do today for sure um when was this it was in the 90s it was in 99 yeah yeah okay because it was so much harder to find these foreign players uh on databases or whatever there was uh do you hear about ali dear not ali dyer in 1996 graham sooness who was the manager of southampton at the time he got a call from george weir who was uh, a Ballon d'Or winner, you know, player of the year. Future president of Liberia. Yes, yes. That's, Ooh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he's interested. He's, <laughs> he really muffled his way up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, he called Graham Souness saying that, that he should give his cousin, Ali Dyer, uh, a trial because um, okay. he'd been playing at Paris Saint-Germain, uh, he'd been playing for Liberia and he'd been, you know, been doing pretty well. And so Souness was like that. That's amazing. I mean, you know, playing at Paris Saint-Germain, that's incredible. And so they gave him a they gave him a, a sort of trial contract. They gave him three and a half grand signing on bonus. And he turned up to training and Matt Letizia, who was sort of the star player, is quoted as saying, what's this bloke doing here? I honestly thought he won a competition. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the, the uh, reserve team that Ali Dyer had been put onto to play for that weekend their match was cancelled and so uh, Southampton first team needed a sub and so he went there and s- subbed on when Letizia was was injured he played for 43 minutes before being subbed off again <laughs> he was so he was bad. just a made up guy he was was what? it even was the George Weyer thing was it actually George Weyer who called him no so it? they don't know to this day who really who it was <laughs> but people believe that it might have been his friend or it might have been his so, you know it was just a bloke I, so, I love these clever. stories yeah I and, love the Huspar. yeah did you guys hear about Carl Power Carl Power, okay. Carl Power was he wasn't a, he wasn't never a sports player, but he was a serial trickster, and his oh, thing yeah, was know. tricking his way into sporting environments that he wasn't meant to be in, right? <laughs> yeah. And he started like when he was a teenager, he would turn up at boxing matches with a towel and a gym bag, and he would get in for free because they assumed he was part oh, of the fight, wow. right? And That's he, a risky one, though, isn't it? Yeah, if, they, boxing, yeah, yeah. if they think you're an actual boxer, you're in trouble. But he, like, he built on it, and he built his career. And he so one of his greatest moments was when he got into a Manchester United team photo just before they played a big Champions League that. match. Oh, okay. And you can see a shot. It's got uh, Ryan Giggs, Andy Cole, Gary Neville, and Carl. <laughs> just this guy. And Neville, Neville was the only one who rumbled him. Like They were all lined up for the photo. And Neville pointed at him and said, Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> and he said, Shut it, Gary, you grass. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that video you can see Roy Keane right at the end clocks it and Roy Keane is, is a pretty feisty footballer and you see him look across and it's 
daggers and that's absolutely so funny. that's brilliant he, he spent his whole career doing this yeah, Car- no, I say he career did. not he didn't yeah. get paid much for it but he played on center court he just Whoa, turned up and no. played he played a match like a little warm up oh. with someone like Tim Henman he got onto the podium at the Grand Prix the British Grand Prix wow. he came out to bat for England at a test match they were playing once. <laughs> I mean, so he didn't actually he didn't actually hit any balls he just walked towards and then they realised right. it was the wrong person and yeah 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 but I just I just I admire him so much but that's that's performance art that's not yeah. Yeah. skullduggery that's pure so performance cool. that's brilliant is he still going Carl Power I don't think he's still trading as it were but okay. I think he's he's still around yeah once you get to an age, you can't pretend to be <laughs> yeah. a footballer anymore. Yeah. You have to pretend to be a manager, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or like a bowls player or something. <laughs> I found a, a, this is a real footballer, but had a fictional element to them. So All it's right, sort of cool. like mostly real person. But I was reading about Maradona and um, oh, yeah. Maradona. So he used to do a lot of drugs. I think that's very well known. Breaking news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy, he was um, big on the old cocaine. Um, but so he had, he was all real, except he had a fake penis. And Sorry, Maradona. Maradona. He had a real penis. <laughs> But he also had a special fake penis made of plastic so that when he had to do drug tests, he would pull the fake penis out and he would allow the urine to come through it. And it's so hard to get to the bottom of this story. Supposedly, the penis was put on display in a museum in Buenos Aires and then went on tour. I read this in The Guardian, written on tour, and then someone stole the penis somewhere on tour. So this missing relic of, of Maradona's is out in the world somewhere. Wow. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. That'll be on some billionaire's mantelpiece. You know, they've paid big, big money to a cabal or something to yeah. source. What's called the knob of God. The <laughs> knob of God. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got a, the knob of and God. And a fake bladder, too, I guess. It's called Possibly. a whizinator, I think. I've heard of these things before. Right. And yeah, you use them for like yeah. drug tests. Do you hook it up to you hook it up to a fake bladder? Or does the penis contain the, the fake urine? It's not a, to... it's not an actual human bladder. It's just yeah. a it's a bit of plastic. Bag, but yeah. yeah bag, but you yeah. so you've got the bag and the wizard, the fake penis yeah yeah and they're all in your is everything's in your trousers right everything's well everything's about your person for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there was a person who did that and it turned out that they were pregnant even though it was a oh, male sports person yeah he'd taken some female urine really and they good. were like good news you <laughs> didn't take any drugs good <laughs> <laughs> news you're pregnant and a horse apparently <laughs> <laughs> I th- before you said anything about explaining the drug test thing, I thought you were going to say it was because people would try and grope him at clubs and then he could kind of make a getaway, you know, like a lizard <laughs> losing its tail. Oh, right. That's yeah. a yeah, great yeah. idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't imagine he played with it, did he? Did he play? Did, did... I don't think you're asked for your samples mid game. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, a non fan, that would liven things up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you've seen when Gary Lineker pooed himself on pitch, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I've seen, I have, I have yeah. seen that clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... yeah, yeah. Well, because there's a mystery. We wrote about this in our book of the year, the oh. fish book, that. Gary Lineker still to this day some 20 odd years after he did that gets sent a single piece of toilet paper that's got a bit of poo on it in the post he's oh, just no. constantly he doesn't know who's doing it oh, and it just no. constantly it's quite easy to him. find out surely whose poo that is well yeah you can just take it, yeah, no but if, if someone if the person sending it is clean they're not on any DNA registers I was thinking with because Gary Lineker's been in a bit of problem with the government hasn't he oh, yeah. this year I wonder if anyone's checked so well a problem <laughs> 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 Not saying it's her, yeah. no. but it's just worth checking everyone, isn't it, really? <laughs> All of his enemies. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, uh, what were we talking about? Football, oh, yeah, fake, football. Well, sort of fake or lie, fake. lie footballers. Yeah. Looking at you, Phil. The, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, our, our whole performance is on 
Ted is it's, it's so edited that you know it's it's basically choreography on on Ted Lasso rather than it being sort of pretending we're playing football I see it more as choreography but it's so hard to do because the thing I the one of the things I really found I really tried to like whenever you see like close up of players th- that was me breathing by the way <laughs> <laughs> but like if there was ever shots in the middle of a game I wanted it to feel like and, probably and, yeah, yeah and I feel like so many sports films you watch that that doesn't happen and it's yeah. really frustrating. Oh. But there were certain things that the production had to take into their own hands, which was some of the particularly difficult choreography that we had to do. Like someone shoots, it hits off a post, hits someone's face. Um, it's CGI, the ball is CGI. Right. So it would be running around the pitch, sort of pretending to kick a ball, <laughs> yeah. which is very I don't know, that feels emasculating. Like that'd be more difficult. Yeah, it right? does. Yeah. It feels hard. Because yeah, you've got to yeah. think of like what the weight is of yeah, the ball yeah. and like what the, how Do far they it's not like go. in some CGI, they'll just have an orange instead of whatever. Like you're fighting a dragon, but there's an orange or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so... It's a guy in green. Yeah. Yeah. His head is the ball. <laughs> <laughs> And the wonderful best actor goes to the ball. <laughs> Tom Hanks as Wilson, furious, never made it to nomination level. No, I've got one fact. It's less about sort of fake football, but more um, there is. Do you know about Will Still, the manager at Ream or Ram FC? No. Uh, it's a League A team, and every single time the team plays, they are find 22,000 euros. <laughs> what are they doing out there? Well, it's not so much them, it's it's the manager himself. He is the youngest manager in European football. He's 30 years old. He's an English Belgian, I think. And it's incredible. He's a, he's the, like this sort of real hotshot manager, but because he's so young, he hasn't really had time to go and get his certifications, which you need in order mm. to be a manager in Ligue 1. And so he's just sort of like, he learned off um, football manager. It's really sort of, you know, <laughs> and he went to university, he got a degree, yeah. but like, it's really, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. So they find because he just doesn't, hasn't got the certi- certification yet. Yeah. So they, so oh, it's wow. one of the rulings. That, what a yeah. fine. That's yeah. a big, how, how big are that? Can they afford that? Like, are they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's so, but it's, he's done so well that, and he's, and it's incredible. If you watch a video of him, you hear him speaking as one normally would in a training session in English and then like without missing a beat goes into perfect French and it's incredible you watch him and it's just yeah he's a really interesting guy interesting that's a shame I always thought that we could just become a football manager whenever Tramier lose their manager like Tramier I'm a Tramier fan so we lost our manager a few weeks ago and I always think it's worth a try isn't it you know it's worth a try becoming a football manager but now I know I have to get actual qualifications this feels like a French bureaucracy thing Surely. Do you think ever since Carl Power turned up at one of Paris Saint-Germain and tried, <laughs> and tried to coach the team? Do you think he'll be okay? I, thi- I think it'll be fine. I think you'd be fine, James. And what I don't know about football isn't worth knowing, right? <laughs> so I say go for it. <laughs> I can Frenton Park with a new thatched roof. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there, all right. I'll get a season ticket. Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland, James, at James Harkin, Andy, at Andrew Hunter M, and Phil, at Phil Dunster. Yep, or you can go to our group account, which is at no such thing, or you can message us on our email podcast at qi.com. Otherwise, go to our website, no such thing as a fish.com. All of our previous episodes are up there. And um, Phil, do you want to mention anything coming up? Um, 
Uh, Ted Lasso is uh, currently, I think it's just about to air its final episode or may have just aired. So go and watch that. Um, and I love you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. That's a great way hey, to end our show. Uh, damn, do we have any live shows coming up? We certainly do. Oh. Uh, James, you want to tell the oh, everyone fuck about sake. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's happening between the 17th of July and late August at the Soho Theatre. We're doing 11 shows, sometimes two a night. Oh, so there are, there are some tickets left, actually. I think about half the tickets have already gone, but there are some left. So hurry now. Great. Okay. Well done, oh, and go to no such thing as a fish.com slash Soho to book your tickets. There you go. Do come. Tickets are going really fast, so mm. do get in quick. And uh, we've got a new guest each night. It's going to be really, really fun. So that's it. Phil, we love you too. Thank you for doing the show. Oh. And we'll be back again next week with another guest. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>